0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Bright Future, a political and philosophical podcast that follows current events, primarily in the United States, with your host, Samuel Adams. Here we look at our nation's and our world's problems, as well as our possible solutions to those problems and how we might do better, so that there may one day be a bright future. As always, there are a few rules to follow. Do not insult others, and instead discuss and debate each other's arguments in a respectful manner. Keep your opinions flexible to take into account new information, perspectives, and ideas. Follow Hanlon's razor, which states do not attribute to malice that which can be attributed to stupidity. Follow Occam's razor, which states that simpler explanations that make the least assumptions are more likely to be correct. Follow Hitchin's razor, which states that which can be stated without evidence can also be dismissed without evidence with the exception of basic truths like cold-blooded murder is wrong and 1 plus 1 equals 2. We'll also use the Sagan Standard, which states that extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. With no further delay, let's begin. So, I was leaving work at about 6 in the morning because I work at night shifts, and as I was strolling to my car, I I looked up, and I was surprised to see that even though it was 6am, which is still pretty early, it was still completely dark out, except for the streetlights and the full moon. And that surprised me for a moment there, because the full moon was the only light I saw in the sky upon a black drop of just this gray-black. There were no stars, no lights from any passing aircraft or satellites, no nothing. Just the full moon. It got me thinking about space and how much light pollution sucks during my drive home, and when I got home, I started scrolling through the briefing room for this week's topic. And as I was scrolling through the briefing room, thinking about light pollution in space, I managed to stumble across a few presidential articles and conversations and posts about the Artemis program. And it's first launch next Monday, September 19th at the Kennedy Space Center, unless it's delayed again. So, what is the Artemis program? And if this is a political and philosophical podcast, why am I talking about it if it's space exploration? So, I went to NASA's homepage for this project and wanted to learn more about it, right? So I go to their tag to see what the Artemis program is about, and it immediately says why it's called Artemis, right? And it got me thinking... That according to, according to NASA's homepage, it's called the Artemis Program because Artemis is the sister of Apollo. There's a bit more to that, which I'll get to in a minute, but it got me thinking, why was the Apollo Program named that? Well, at the time, NASA Director of Space Flight and Development Abe Silverstein was inspired by an image of Apollo riding his chariot across the sun, saying that that image matched the ambition of the program. And so that's why it was called the Apollo program. Now the Artemis program, which is also a program where we're going to try to go back to the moon, um, got its name because Artemis is a sister of Apollo. And the NASA website also states that Artemis was the Greek goddess of the moon. Um, that's not correct. I can't believe that NASA managed to get this wrong. I mean, they're they're space exploration, not Greek mythology, but the Greek goddess of the moon is actually a woman named Selene. Artemis is just the goddess of the hunt, wilderness, wild animals, and chastity. Her Roman counterpart, Diane, was, in addition to those things, also the goddess of the moon, but that was Roman, not Greek. So, the Greek goddess of the moon is Selene. Not Artemis. And I I know NASA got that wrong, and they're a space exploration, they're not mythology, so I can understand getting that wrong. But, no big deal. But, naming the program Artemis just makes it sound like Apollo Program Part 2, Electric Boogaloo. It, It doesn't sound like it's something new or interesting that I should be super invested into, right? So I started thinking about other possible names now i'm not qualified to actually give any of these names i'm I'm just a guy ranting on the internet right but i wanted to share them with you anyway because i could you know because i've got this platform here the first possible name i came up with was the selene program because the greek goddess of the moon is selene but that was the only reason for it because the greek goddess of the moon is selene The other name I thought of, though, that actually had a bit more weight to it is the Supra program, from Latin, above, which ties to the United States Space Force motto, Semper Supra, which is always above. However, the United States Space Force was created in 2019, and the Artemis program was started in 2017, so I can understand if you're not going to do that. If you want to stick with the Greek naming convention, though, you could call it the Odyssey Program. It's a long and possibly treacherous journey made up of many smaller steps to reach the final goal. And I'll go over these smaller steps later, but that makes the Odyssey Program sound like a good name, because it's also an epic made by Homer, right? It's an epic poem. You could also name it the Iliad Program, named after the epic of Homer and the precursor to the larger, more grand journey. So the next program to Mars would be Odyssey instead of this. Oh, this is just a buildup. If you wanted to mirror Armstrong's first words on the moon, you could call it the small step program. Ah, uh, because it mirrors his first words on the moon. And then you could use this as a buildup to the giant leap program for when we're going to Mars. There are a bunch of other names that I could probably think up, but enough about the name. It is just a name, but it's also supposed to encapsulate the overall goal of the project. And it feels like Artemis is just Apollo Program 2. So, what is the Artemis Program? I talked a lot earlier while I was going through these possible names about how we're going back to the moon and how it's a precursor to going to Mars. But I didn't go into any details about it yet, and I feel like maybe I should have done that first before going over the name. So, let's do that. What is the Artemis program? So the first line about the project on NASA's websites is, With Artemis missions, NASA will land the first woman and the first person of color on the moon, using innovative technologies to explore more of the lunar surface than ever before. Okay, hold on. Your number one mission goal, as encapsulated by your first sentence, is, as I'm seeing it here, DIVERSITY IN SPACE! Should that really be the first thing people know about this project? Don't get me wrong, diversity is going to be not just a good thing, but vital to a project of this size. No one group of people is ever going to be able to complete a massive goal like this alone. And while this program is led by NASA, it has support from many other nations and collaborations from many different private companies as well. Even the Apollo program, which was rushed, dangerous, and accomplished little long-term except put some mirrors and a flag on the moon, which, due to solar radiation, has likely been bleached white by now and should be replaced, was, again, dangerous and rushed. So if this is going back there, it's going to be necessary that we take collaboration from everywhere that we can but this project should be so much more than just diversity in space. Because in addition to that, this project makes a lunar version of the International Space Station called the Gateway. It establishes a permanent moon base. It finds water and other critical resources needed for further exploration. It establishes a staging ground for even further space exploration. Establishes a proving ground for new space-based technology. And does so much more. It's the first step for us getting to Mars. But in your first sentence, the first thing you want people to know about what it will accomplish is diversity in space. Why is that your first sentence? It, It could be literally anything else, but it could go over all of these other things that it's going to accomplish it sounds like so much bigger but that's your first sentence whatever so the initial artemis project started in 2017 the first actual full step though the launch of the artemis 1 is planned for next monday an unmanned crew uh, an unmanned launch of a crew vessel called the orion this will test the way that we get to and from the moon, the, la- the Space Launch System, or SLS. This is the chemical rocket that's been in development since 2011, and it's a redesigned version of a Space su- Shuttle's launch system, three stages, which carries an Orion capsule, which can carry four to six passengers. But the thing is, as it goes up, each stage discards the prior stage. It's the same way that we our uh, Space Shuttle got to... Uh, Got up to orbit, right? Got this massive tank, massive chemical rockets that are just discarded. But each stage discards the prior stage, of course, so each launch will require basically an entire new rocket being built. That seems wasteful and outdated. Are there better options? Maybe there are. SpaceX as a concept, and the build, though it's still in the ground testing and construction phase, for a reusable spaceship that's fully reusable, where you reuse the entire thing, instead of discarding almost all of the ship through each stage. The ship would be able to land, refuel, and take off again without requiring a new assembly, or it could even refuel in orbit with an orbital propellant depot. But, hold on, chemical rocket. Are chemical rockets even the best method of propellant anymore? Like, come on. That that sounds so 1969. You know, when we last, last time we went to the, I mean, it works. So let's not reinvent the wheel here, but we could do other things like, um, a nuclear shock plate. Okay, probably not. It's got the word nuclear, so it's going to scare people away. But a nuclear shock plate effectively works by taking a nuclear bomb, throwing it behind you, and then riding the shockwave. So it does, it does require using a nuke, so you probably won't want to do that, but it is a way to get into orbit supposedly faster. We could also use solar sails and solar wind because the sun actually produces... Well, you can use light to propel yourself, kind of. Uh, there's this really cool toy my dad had. Well, not really a toy, but it's um, how do I explain it? It's like a wind vane, kind of. Except instead of using wind, it uses light. And so the way it works is it's got like the central shaft where it, where it can spin around, and then it's got four fins. Except the fins are straight up and down. And on one side, it's colored black, and on the other side, it's colored white. And if you point a light at it, the thing will spin because it'll affect the white side and push the white side more than it pushes the dark side. Which is really cool. And that would work in space, right? You could use that to push a ship. It wouldn't work to get off of the planet or out of our gravity well, but it would work for, like, a long-distance... Deep space mission, right in theory, we could also use ion engines which work by using magnets to accelerate electrons. It does have low acceleration, but because it uses electrons, it doesn't require a fuel tank it just requires batteries, which is really cool, and it works in and it works in a vacuum right because you're not you're not accelerating air or you're not busting. Uh, chemicals to get any kind of acceleration, you're instead just throwing electrons behind you really fast. So while electrons are really small, you're th- also throwing them really fast so they'll speed up really fast. So it will have a slow acceleration, but again, doesn't require a fuel tank. You don't need to carry your own fuel, you just need to carry your battery, which won't really change weight regardless of its charge, and you can use solar panels to recharge it. Anyway, enough about the um, space launch system, though, which feels like it's outdated and should be replaced. Let's talk about the Orion. The Orion is a capsule that can carry a crew of four to six people, and this part is the only part of the actual Artemis ships that are reusable. I'm, I'm going back to the space launch system, aren't I? Let's actually talk about the Orion itself. As I said earlier, this this is going to be a massive project that's going to require collaboration from multiple different countries and multiple different groups of people. No one group of people, no one country is going to be able to accomplish this stuff alone. So the Orion vessel was created by Lockheed Martin and the European service module. It's been thoroughly tested, five cases, though so those tests usually only last a few seconds, minutes, or hours. This one, the test that's launching on Friday, it's going to last 25 days. It has a launch abort system, which is basically a directional rocket on the top that can remove the the crewed capsule in the event of a failure or danger in launch. It just rips it off and parachutes it out somewhere else. However, this manned capsule, the Orion, it still lands by using a heat shield and a parachute. And don't get me wrong, heat shields and parachutes are a great way to slow down and land on a planet if that planet has an atmosphere. But the moon doesn't have an atmosphere. (laughs) And Mars barely has an atmosphere. This is why you might have been seeing news about SpaceX developing a vertical landing rocket system which can land on celestial bodies without atmospheres. That's why it's such a big deal that they've managed to land their rocket right back on a barge in this tiny target using a chemical rocket instead of a parachute, because they can use this to land on the moon, or land on Mars. Now, Mars technically does have an atmosphere, but it's very, very thin compared to ours. So you can use parachutes in Mars, but you're going to need to deploy them a lot higher it seems just better to use a, a kind of rocket like that to land again. Now, that's what the Orion, that's the next thing that the um, project is really going to use. But another thing is that it's going to use is the Lunar Gateway. The first space station that's not in Earth orbit. Instead, it's a space station that will orbit the moon. It's created in collaboration with NASA, the European Space Agency, the Japanese Space Agency, and the CSA as well. It could serve as a fuel depot, but only after facilities on the moon are producing fuel, so it's going to be a little while before we can properly utilize it. And a lot of people, including Buzz Aldrin, feels that creating this station is a waste of time, and potentially dangerous due to solar radiation. You see, the International Space Station is protected ...from solar radiation because it's in low Earth orbit. It's very close to the Earth's atmosphere. But the Moon doesn't have an atmosphere or a magnetic field to shield the gateway from solar radiation. Perhaps instead, we should build something at a Lagrange point between the Earth and the Moon... ...that could work as an in-between. So that way we don't have to immediately go straight to the Moon... ...but we don't have to worry about it being too close to the Earth either. Now, building something at the Lagrange point would still have the radiation problem, but we would, in theory, be able to use that as a space elevator because the moon is tidally locked. It's always showing us the same face. So, Lagrange points are really cool, and I'll try to explain them real quick, but I'm I'm not an expert. A Lagrange point is basically the point between two celestial bodies where the gravitational pull between the two cancels each other out. So, if you put something at the perfect center of gravity, I guess, point of the Earth-Moon system, that thing would be held there by the Earth-Moon system without it needing to orbit any faster because it's being equally pulled towards the Moon and the Earth the same amount by the same amount of gravity, which is really cool, but also solar radiation, so probably not the best. Buzz Aldrin, though, thinks that we should just go straight to building a base on the moon if we're going to do that. So, moon base. The theory about this moon base that's going to be created by the Artemis program is it would be located at the South Pole rather than the center of the face that we can see because, well, there's ice on the moon. There's actually a lot of it. There's an estimated 600 million tons of water ice at the North Pole. So, wait. North Pole, but I said we're going to the South Pole, right? Yes, I did. The moon base is going to be at the South Pole. The reason why we're going to the South Pole is because the South Pole has sheltered craters that are unique, and that sunlight never reaches the interior. That creates a kind of cold trap, which can contain a fossil record of hydrogen, water, ice, and other volatile materials that we could use to rocket fuel from the early, from the early solar system, which... In addition to giving us these supplies, hydrogen, water, and rocket fuel, it'll also give us an outlook onto more of the formation of our solar system and our moon. But there's one major problem with this. Lunar dust. You see, lunar dust is coarse and rough and it gets every... and okay, not really... It's very fine, it's very sharp, and it gets absolutely everywhere because it's electrically charged. But it is an engineering problem to get rid of it. And we might be able to use that engineering problem of removing moon dust to apply to dust here on Earth in our everyday homes and lives. So this project might effectively remove you from ever needing to use a sock to clean the top of your windows or whatever. In addition to this moon, in addition to this moon base, which would be a permanent base that we have on the moon, I would also recommend creating a a pool on the moon, a moon pool, if you will. An actual like pool on the moon would have a lower gravity. The moon only has one of the gravity that we have here on Earth. So the lower gravity in the pool means that it would be uh, splashier, according to Randall Monroe. This means that we would, in theory, be able to have bigger, more intense splash fights on the moon. This would also mean that we'd be able to launch out of the water higher, like dolphins. It sounds like it would be a ton of fun, and our astronauts need the water anyway, right, in order to survive. And it's already there, on the moon, in the form of ice, so... We don't even have to ship the water there, we just have to ship the pool itself, and then we can just get the water on the moon and put it in the pool. It wouldn't be that expensive. And in theory, again, according to Randall Munro, if a swimmer using a monofin was on the moon, on a pool in the moon, they could, in theory, launch themselves 18 feet above the surface to be able to effectively do a high dive in reverse... Thanks to the 1-6 gravity. So, I really hope this moon pool has a really high ceiling. (laughs) Because without that really high ceiling, you'd smack into it if you tried to launch out of it using a monofin. That being said, though, this project sounds really cool. With a permanent moon base, staging ground, a proving ground for future space technology, we've got A space station that's not actually in Earth orbit, but in orbit around the moon. And it would be the first step for us getting to Mars, like a a kind of halfway, right? The problem is, though, there's a long time frame on this. This project initially started in 2017. Its first launch has already been delayed a few times and is finally, in theory, going to launch Next Monday. And barring any further delays or even cancellations, this project won't even be complete until 2028. So, as much as I love to nerd out about space travel, terraforming, and things like that, it's not going to exactly solve all of our problems here. I mean, it'll absolutely help, sure, but the issues that we're dealing with climate change, pestilence, disease, and more or on a much shorter time frame. Space exploration is awesome, but it's not going to be our escape hatch. We need to fix our planet here, and soon, or we might never have a chance to walk on another again. Thank you for listening to this episode of Bright Future. Feel free to comment on this episode on YouTube, discuss this and other topics in my Discord server, or join the conversation live on Twitch. New episodes are recorded every Monday at 7 p.m. Central and are released every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Central. I'll see you next week.